Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 19 of The Informed Catholic, episode 19. And we're in now the um, second Sunday of Ordinary Time. We're in the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. So before we begin, please um, subscribe and share to my podcast if you think I'm doing a good job and you enjoy what I do. It would be a great help if you subscribe and share. So uh, let's begin with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our, all our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, now we're in the uh, second Sunday of Ordinary Time. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, sometimes uh, it's a little bit of a struggle to, with so much things happening um, in the, uh, the world now that we're, uh, past the election period. And now we're, uh, we're, we know for certain now who's going to be occupying the white house. And, uh, we know that Joe Biden is going to be in that white house for, I don't think he's going to make it for two years, but one thing's for certain. We are in a very dramatic period in uh, in our history. <clears throat> and it's not just the history of America, but it's in the history of the world. Um, we, you know, we're living in a, um, uh, a time where the, uh, the tools, the media, the media is the tools. And, um, and someone made it quite clear, like propaganda, like the news, the news itself, um, like the free press, uh, right to free speech is what I'm doing. Okay. You could call it propaganda according to a, one's perspective because I'm, I represent Catholicism and I represent the Catholic layman, not the, uh, Catholic clergy, the Catholic, uh, the clergy, the, the leaders of the church are different. They can speak for themselves, but I speak <clears throat> as an individual Catholic layman. I'm some, uh, depending on lay people, they can agree with me, um, or they can disagree with me. That's very, very different. So, uh, as an individual, I have a right to make my own podcast and I have a right to be heard or to speak out in the public arena. You as an individual, you have a right to listen to me, to disagree with me and to ignore me. That's your right. 
Okay. And that's different. The problem is what happened now, we live in a time where there's people with thin skin and they don't like when individuals who disagree with them, this is, this is unfortunately what they call socialism. You see, socialist Marxists want to dominate the arena and they don't want anybody else to be hurt. It doesn't work that way because when you do that, you become a bully and you become drunk with power. That's the problem we're living in now. So I know I started before the reading, but I just want to get things clear and we're going to do the reading right now. It's just that it's amazing what's going on right now. So let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to read the first reading is going to be from the book of Samuel, um, chapter three. Um, starting from verse, first book of Samuel, chapter three, starting from verse three to 10, 10 to 19. It's a edited version of the event, but it's still, you could look it up. All right. First, uh, reading from the book, first book of Samuel, speak Lord for your servant is listening. It's a interesting start, right? Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord where the Ark of the covenant was. The Lord called to Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again, the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am. He said, You called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So he said to Samuel, Go to sleep. And if you are called, reply, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him, not permitting any word of his to be without effect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, all right. So, um... We are, this is a very beautiful story. It's Samuel's mother. This is, doesn't give you the origin of the whole thing, but Samuel's mother was um, kind of like a concubine. And I mean, the man was married, actually. She was married. And now that uh, she was also childless and being uh, childless, she prayed for the Lord and Samuel's name actually means answer to her prayer. It's answer to my prayer. And she was proud and happy that she was so thankful to the Lord that she was given a child. Again, you see, our religion is a religion, a pro-life religion. I keep telling people this. It's a pro-life religion a pro-life religion and our and our religion 
speaks this way. It keeps repeating itself. So people like Nancy Pelosi, who uh, as a Catholic layman and a public person is misrepresenting our faith. She worships politics. That's her God. And she's going to pay for it. She's going to pay for it because she is misrepresenting the word of God. She, she, she uses her religion to her advantage and then she, she misrepresents her, uh, her faith and misrepresents the church and deliberately. And the, the also another ones that are also very much abusive and not representing the faith correctly is the bishops who stay silent. <clears throat> There's some bishops like McElroy of LA who doesn't who who deliberately even stood up in front of all the bishops and said abortion is not the most important thing in in their faith so again he's rep rep misrepresenting the faith these these people want a catholicism that is down and human and less divine they don't want it divine they, they, whatever it is, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, trust me, I think we do. But at the same time, someone like me, who is a lay person, is shocked at, at, at this. And maybe because it's sin. Maybe it's because it's the fact that how does someone occupy a position in the church of authority and a successor to the apostles? can do something like this, can actually say that abortion is not the fundamental, most important thing. How could someone this get up there and say that when he represents Jesus Christ, when he represents the word incarnate? I have to question if he even believes that Jesus Christ is the word incarnate. I'm shocked and horrified. I'm horrified at a nun, Campbell, a couple of months ago, who actually thinks that we should not be uh, that abortion should not be the single voter issue? I'm. I mean, yeah, she's a nun, and she's doing this. She deliberately has chosen to do this to misrepresent the faith. Here we have a faith that is pro-life. Go back to the Book of Genesis, Abraham. Desperately wanted a child from his union with Sarah. That they de de they deliberately abused their their and forced their will on someone like Hagar. That's what happened, and Hagar wound up conceiving in Sarah's place, and Sarah developed contempt to Hagar because because what happened was it only psychologically made Sarah hate the young woman, because the young woman was able to conceive and she wasn't, that she began to abuse her. And then, and of course, Hagar herself was at fault because she developed contempt to her mistress, but that's, that's natural because she was used and then ran out to try to run away and then came back and then sat. And then, of course, it only developed more dysfunctionalness in that family Eventually, she conceived. Again, it's a religion, a, a pro-life religion. Our religion is a pro-life religion. You go to Egypt when Pharaoh hated the Hebrews, that he wanted 
the, the, the firstborn to be cast into the Nile, killed, a type picture of uh, full, uh, full abortion up to the ninth month, up to the moment the child's born, a type pro, uh, uh, prophecy, a foretelling of future events. Again, we are a pro-life faith. You can see this over and over and over and over again. And we have leaders within the church that are deliberately misrepresenting the faith, abusing the faith, twisting the word of God to their, to, 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 to their advantage for political reasons. If you wonder why we're being punished, why this beer bug, as some people call it, uh, Wuhan virus, and they're deliberately putting the grip on free people, strangling our freedom, manipulating us through the media, all right, maligning and defaming people like Trump and, and Christians, this is this is satanic. It's because New York City back in 1970 passed the first pro-abortion bill. And that was f- nearly more than 50 years ago. Cuomo, nearly 50 years later, decides to pass a, a, abortion up to the ninth month. Again, another Catholic. This is because we're being punished because of abortion. We have, our world has to step up and answer for it. Okay, the Lord is coming and he's going to make everyone give an account for this evil. This satanic thing uh, where the child is sacrificed for political gain. It's human child sacrifice. Maybe there's no what do you call state God like Caesar or the, or the Baal of the, of the, of the Canaanites and the, the Phoenicians, but definitely it's a, it's sacrifice to political gain for power. These people in the world, they, the powerful people that they are, they want the world to themselves and they look at and they see all what they feel are inferior people. And sadly, they're going to decide we need to cut back on the world population. These brown skinned people populate too quickly. These inferior breed of people populate too quickly. It would be much better if we have less of them. It's the Nazis are now hipsters. The Nazis are now hipsters. They wear skinny pants and they drink soy milk. And they're vegetarians and they do yoga. They're hipsters now. Hipsters like to pretend that they're, they like to, they like to make everyone think that they're global and they're um, diversified, you know, they're, they're diverse. They're not. You don't necessarily have to be white to be a hipster and you don't have to be white to be a Nazi. It's a different kind of breed out there. It's one that is sophisticated technological uh it's all about inclusion they like to use inclusion they use all these things because what they really are they want you they want you they want to win your trust and when you're not looking they're going to attack you like a like a like a serpent 
They're going to sting you when you when you least expect it. So don't don't believe them. Don't believe them. All right, let's go to um, our Psalm, Psalm uh, Psalm forty. All right, so the Psalm is Psalm forty. I'm going to read the whole Psalm, and then I'll we'll go back and we'll read it with the um, with the uh, response. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry. He put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Sacrifice or offerings you wish not, but ear open to obedience you gave me. Holocaust or sin offering you sought not. Then I said, I behold, I behold, I come. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me to do your will. O my God is my delight and your law is within my heart. I announce your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips as you, O Lord, know. Okay, so let's go Let's go back. The response is, here am I, O Lord. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. Psalm 40. I have waited and waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry, and he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice or offerings you wish not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Holocaust or sin offering you sought not. Then said I, behold, I come. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me to do your will. O my God is my delight, and your law is within my heart. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips as you, O Lord, know. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. So you notice the pattern here. To hear God speaking to you and God coming to do your will. We hear Samuel's being called by God. Possibly he may have been maybe 12, maybe 15, we don't know. Um, to... Um, to hear the word of God and to respond. Hear my Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I waited, I had waited for the Lord, and I stooped toward me and I heard my cry. He stooped toward me and heard my cry. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn to our God. Sacrifice offerings you wish not, but ears open to obedience you give me. You gave me. That actually that is this verse here can be translated uh, in the Greek. Subduagent, you have prepared a body for me, okay, you know, and here I'm here I come to do your will in the scroll is prescribed for me to do your will, oh my God is my delight, and your law is within my heart it, We have to live this way, we cannot allow God will not be mocked, God will not be mocked, we have to remember this, whatever is happening now. We have to, we, we have, we as Catholics have to be also penitent. We have to realize we've been silent for too long. We've allowed a lot of things as Christians to be abused. And I think the problem is we, we have also allowed ourselves to be divided. And we, and while we were divided, guess what? The devil was building up his political regime not just here in the United States, but around the world. Look at this. Argentina, the Pope's home country, has legalized abortion. 
And now we find out that our dear Pope, and then of course Benedict XVI, I don't know if Benedict XVI is aware of what's going on because he's an old fellow, but they took, they possibly took uh, tainted uh, uh, vaccine drugs for the coronavirus. If the drug is made from an aborted baby cell, is that right? Because if we take the drug, we're going to open the door for more abortion. It will be contradictory. Okay? You could take um, uh, uh, cells from an umbilical cord. An umbilical cord that's attached to a baby, you can take the cell. That's fine. But it doesn't kill the baby. But the point is, if the Pope did this, then what happens to our pro-life? What happens to our belief that murder of, of, a, of an aborted baby is murder? Because remember, we are a pro-life faith. Behold, you know, you prepared a body for me. The Greek translation can say, I knew you before you were born. I, I formed you and gave you a name. What happened to that? The problem is, is I think we have, I think there's some people that just can't see God. Like I said, I think a lot of Catholics, a lot of Christians, they see the world around them and they're overwhelmed and scandalized by, by evil, by the presence of evil, by misery, by suffering. Understandable. It can be overwhelming. And then a lot of times you think to yourself, well, maybe we're wrong about something. Maybe we're wrong about same-sex attractions. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe the Bible is an evolving book. Maybe the Word of God is an evolving word. You begin to compromise. Suddenly you begin to think like the world and you forget the Word of God. My ways are not your ways. Your ways are not my ways. As the heavens is high above the earth, so are my ways higher above yours. Then, you know, you, you, you know, you begin to compromise. You compromise a lot of the faith. You compromise a lot of the Word of God. You begin to submit the Word of God to the world. And then what happens? Suddenly you want, you know, you no longer see you know, the forest from the trees, you no longer see things the way the way the faith is. Suddenly you you begin to see the, the word of God the way the world sees it. All right, let's go to uh, the next second reading uh, from 1 Corinthians, letter of St. Paul. Your bodies are members of Christ. A reading from the first letter to St. Paul of St. Paul to the Corinthians. The body is not for immorality, for the Lord, and the Lord is for, uh, I'm sorry, let me start again. The body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ, but whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him? Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the immoral person sins, uh, sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Isn't that interesting? 
what the Holy Spirit put, put before us. Let's read it one more time. Your bodies are members of Christ. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. The body is not for immorality. The body is not for immorality. It is not for immoral practice, immoral use. It is not for entertainment. It is not for pastime. It is not for a freak show. It is the body, the, our human bodies are not made for a laugh, for a pastime. Okay, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God created humanity, man, in his image. It belongs to him. It is his property, his trademark, not for the world. Okay? Okay, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. In other words, he owns it, he has a right to it. It is his before it, before it belongs to us. And that means the state does not own the body. The governor does not own your body. The congresswoman does not own your body. The senator does not own your body. The president of the United States does not own your body. Corporate Corporations do not own the body. It belongs to God. Simple as that. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. God raised the Lord. the Lord, God the Father raised the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will also raise us by his power because he owns the body. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Exactly. Because we are baptized in Christ, we are confirmed in Christ, we receive the body and blood of Christ, we are we belong to Christ. Okay, we're married to him. The consummation has been made in in baptism, in confirmation, and in holy communion. But what but whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Our bodies and souls belong to him. Avoid immorality. Again, avoid immorality. Avoid Sexual perversion, avoid <clears throat> pornography, avoid um, bad jokes, uh, immoral jokes, mockery of the body, sexual mockery, things like that. Avoid that. And yet, look and behold what the world's doing now with transgenderism. Look and behold what they're doing. In California, I just heard that they're actually indoctrinating kids, that you can choose whatever sex you want. You see what I'm saying? It's become a perversion. And the state thinks it has the right and power to do this. We have to start uh, practicing our faith more and developing a stronger Christian culture. These the, the these the state wants to re um doctrinate, re interpret reality in a perverted way so they can have so they can pervert the kids. It has to stop. All right. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. 
but the immoral person sins against his own body. Isn't that amazing? Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. Lying, cheating, um, I guess bribery. But then, but then it goes on to say, but the immoral person sins against his own body. And this has a lot to do with sexuality. When a person is constantly steeped in immoral sexuality, when in, in sexual perversion, it, it becomes a sin against the body. And the sin against the body, it doesn't, it isn't, it isn't just his own body, but it's the sin that you, when you sin against even, let's say, pornography or rape or prostitution or child uh, uh, sexual abuse against children, it's the sin against the body because it involves also you using your body and you using using another person for gratification. So therefore, you know, people who do this, it's still a sin against one's own body. It's immorality. Immorality, basically, you you also sin against another person. But it's still immorality. And this is this is something that violates the incarnation. It's the, it's it's against the very being of the incarnation. Immorality is abuse. It's a it's basically a violation against God. It's self-love and self-idolatry. And also the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, remember, we are we are made for the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, that in and that you are not your own? So therefore, God owns us. For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. All right, that I think that makes it quite clear, right? <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one, the gospel. All right, so now the Alleluia Antiphon. Alleluia, Alleluia. We have found the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who brings us truth and glory. Alleluia, Alleluia. All right, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 35 to 42. They saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him. And he said to them, What are you seeking for? What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which, mean, which translate means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Kephas, which is translated Peter. Okay, so let's go back. John was standing with two of his disciples, and he watched Jesus walk by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. 
That's an interesting title, right? We use that. At, we say we hear it at mass when the the priest holds up the broken host and said, "Behold the Lamb of God, behold Him who takes away the sins of the world." Jesus, who came to take away our pain, Lamb, not the line of God, the Lamb. A lamb is a very defenseless animal, a very weak and defenseless animal, very gentle, but beautiful, but at the same time, gentle. Not exactly a very heroic, very hero-like image, but it is something that the Jews gave to the Messiah as the image of the lamb, the sacrificial one who would sacrifice himself, offer himself on the altar. Then two of his disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. They, you know, I'm sure there was probably more exchange, like as though they're here. There is your new rabbi. There is your new teacher, and they followed Jesus. Now, interesting that when they asked, uh, he asked, them, "What are you looking for?" They said to him, "Rabbi," which translates means teacher. Where are you staying? And he and he said, to "Them come and see, and you will come and see." And they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Four in the afternoon. Andrew, I hope I read that part. Sometimes I often wonder if I skip over lines. But Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He, for he Then he went and found his brother, Simon Peter, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas or Kaiphas. It's really the same name, which is translated Peter. So, four in the afternoon. It's very interesting. First, two disciples, they went ahead and they found where he was staying. And they that encounter with him changed them. It made it convinced them who he who that he is who he's supposed to be. And then they it was four in the afternoon. The, the the four in the afternoon has a very important significance to the church. Um, it's for some. It, I guess it's the first time that they, the fact that they encountered him, it meant a lot to them. Maybe it has also a lot to do with the Jewish hour of prayer and devotion. But then they go and tell. Or somebody, Andrew has to go and tell his brother Simon Peter, we found the Christ. That's how important it was. And then they they bring they he brings Simon Peter to Jesus. And then the encounter is so unbelievably significant. It shows you right away that the name change didn't happen just the day at Caesarea Philippi. There's a lot encountering. John's gospel shows us the back, the, the backstory that, you know, that there's so much more that the encounter wasn't a playbook, that there was a lot of layers in the encounter, a lot of events. When you tell someone a story about somebody, you usually give them a, a very plain, simple uh, story, but you don't give them all the details. There's a lot of other details that you remember in the event and you can't fill them all in. Someone always tells me that, you know, when, you know, even when you talk to somebody, you know, you usually give them a plain, simple facts 
And then other times when you tell them about that same event, there's usually something else in between those facts, which are smaller facts, small details. And that's it. And that's the way it is with a, with a lot of people when we encounter somebody. Then, you know. But the important thing is, is that this encounter is gives birth to a faith, and the faith is then go. You go and you tell somebody else, and you give birth to you help another person uh, conversion. Conversions are you know about an encounter, and. It's an important encounter that people have to understand. Faith is not just, you know, a one-person event. It's a, a multi-person event. Jesus changed all their lives. I mean, look at it. John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. He sees Jesus walking by or walking towards him. And then he says, behold, Lamb of God. Then Two of the disciples want to go find out what he meant by this. And most likely they probably asked him, what do you mean? And he said, that's going to be your new rabbi. He's going to be the one that you're going to follow. So they just drop everything and run after him. And when he, when they come caught up to him, he turns around and says, uh, yes, uh, what are you looking for? He said, we want to know where you're staying. And he said, come and see. They, they probably asked him, John the Baptist said that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you know what he meant by this? And then who knows? Notice they didn't tell us what, what exchanged that four o'clock in the afternoon. What did they talk about that evening? What did they talk about? John the Apostle is the one who wrote this. He doesn't tell us. But he shows us the 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 uh, impression that Jesus had to make. He made a fantastic impression that they had to run and tell Simon Peter, a fisherman, and then they go and encounter somebody else. It's a remarkable thing. He doesn't tell us what they talk about, but of course, there's a lot going on. They don't tell us what words exchange, what were what happened that evening. What happened? How long did they stay with him? Did they stay up talking all night? But it's obviously left an unbelievable, remarkable impression. That encounter gave birth to other people's encounter. And it gave birth to a whole new faith. They could not... They could not hide it. I mean, they had to change it. They couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to keep keep giving, you know, keep sharing with other people. And that's, that's what faith in Christ does. It's not just a book. It's a person and a person and a person. It keeps growing. It's an encounter with another encounter with another encounter that goes back to the greatest encounter, them meeting Jesus and the testimony of John the Baptist it's all it's all part of that. It's all part of this part of an important event. All right, I'm gonna end it here. Um, and then we're gonna we're gonna say the uh, the Nessing Creed. I believe in one in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. 
I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in one uh, in the Holy Spirit, the, whole, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Pater noster qui es in celis, santo facetro, nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat volentas tua, secure in cielo ed in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimiti nobis diepta nostra, secure nos dimitimos diepturibus nostris, et nos indugas in tatashinam, sed libra nos amalo. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, we'll be back together again soon. God bless and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And please say a prayer for me. All right, I'm dealing with a very difficult neighbor upstairs that doesn't, that's not considerate, unfortunately. All right, God bless and stay in peace.